You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Gary Antoll's life spent living in mountain towns in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Maryland give him an authentic perspective to draw on as he leads his band, the Jacobs Ferry Stragglers. Gary is my guest for this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good, Thanks good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you on. So um, we're talking to you in Pennsylvania today, is that right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, cool. So um, we want to definitely talk about the uh, um, the band uh, Jacob's Ferry Stragglers uh, here in a few minutes, but give me a little bit of uh, background about yourself and and music and and how you got started and and uh, your musical journey up to the up to the band. Um. Well, you know, um, as 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 I guess cliched as it might sound in a way, um, like the first music that I remember being really turned on by, uh, I was a little kid, four or five years old. Um, was uh, Elvis Presley. Yeah. You know, my cool. mom. My mom, my mom loved Elvis, and I, I, I really loved uh, the early Elvis, the rockabilly stuff. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, kind of a a uh, combination of that and uh, my dad having Beatles albums laying around. You know, um, <laughs> it got me started on, uh, and my dad played guitar, um, so it, it kind of uh, got me started on wanting to play music when I, I mean, was about five or six years old. Yeah, you know, I, I started. Uh, my dad started teaching me to play guitar, um, and uh, that just kind of evolved into uh, a thing I did. You know, um, I got really into, uh, I mean, it was the 80s, so I was kind of uh-huh. as a guitar player and as a kid playing guitar in the mid to late 80s. I was really into all the hair bands, sure. yeah. you know, because they all had, like, they, no matter how terrible the music was, they all had fantastic guitar players. Yeah, you know? right, so right, yeah. I spent, I, spent, I spent a few years wanting to be Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> you know, um, and then uh, then I got kind of, I kind of got into, like, uh, the blues. I got into, like, like uh, Steve Ray Vaughan. Uh-huh. And all all the blues players, um, which kind of uh, progressed into me uh, taking an interest in, in uh, some jazz stuff. Uh, and I went to college at uh, Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Got a got a degree in jazz guitar. Um, and uh, you know, uh, following that, I did a few years on various cruise ships and playing amusement park gigs. Uh, and, okay. And uh, yeah, it was a strange way to play music, but a, a, a nice way to make a living. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, it was it was a neat experience because I had to play a lot of music that I, I wouldn't normally have played, okay. you know, and because uh, it was a job, I had to I had to learn how to do it well, mm-hmm. you know. So I got pretty uh, I got pretty steeped in like the uh, in like Motown and seventies funk and disco because mm-hmm. um, that's that's mainly what the audience we were playing for wanted to hear, okay. you know. Um, so I uh, did a bunch of that. Um, I, I I spent a little bit of time in, in uh, Las Vegas. I was in the lounge band at the Stardust Casino for about a month and a half. Yeah, okay, um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I lived in Nashville for a few years. You know, um, uh, it's funny. I went to Nashville to play music, and I didn't really play much music in Nashville. Really? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. You know, I, I did at, at, at first, but uh, I actually landed like a, a pretty pretty neat job at uh, at BB King's Blues Club downtown okay. Nashville, uh-huh. and. Uh, Ended up just working a lot. Okay. You know, um, uh, about uh, eight or nine years ago, I uh, I moved home. I guess it's going to be 10 years, actually, this year that, that I moved back to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, I took a, a, a gig playing a Telecaster in a pop country band. Um, <laughs> uh, it was a, actually like a, a pretty popular band in Western Pennsylvania. It was a it was a, it was a nice was a nice gig, you know. Uh-huh. Um, again, not necessarily the best music, you know. Um, and then uh, I wrote a song called seven or eight years ago, and uh, thought like when I finished the song, I thought, man, that'd be so great if I could record that song with a banjo player and an upright bass player. I hmm. think that would be neat. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, like literally within a couple of days, I met a banjo player, an upright bass player, hmm. and uh, that that evolved into uh, the first bluegrass band I ever had. Hmm. You know, um, and uh, I really, really just loved it. I don't know, something about it really captured me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and uh, that evolved into the Stragglers. That evolved evolved into this band. You know, and then uh, we've been uh, we've been going at it uh, coming up on uh, four or five years now. Hmm. So you really didn't uh, grow up uh, hanging around or being groomed to to be a uh, string bluegrass player, really. That wasn't your thing. Not 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 really. You know, it's a it's funny though because I always really liked it. You know, um, uh, again, you know, like growing up, I remember I remember watching like Hee Haw and stuff like right, that. Yeah. You know? And uh, and I I always I always really liked the music. I didn't really play it. So much, but I, I did really like it, and uh, I had an uncle. My dad's older brother was uh, nearly twenty years older than my dad. You know, he was sixteen years older than my dad. Hmm. And uh, he, when I was a kid, I remember him singing all these songs. He was a musician as well. He played the saxophone. Um, but I remember him like I, all these songs, you know. Um, and uh, as I when, I, when I got into this, you know, uh, this band. Um, I realized that a lot of the songs that he were he was singing were like Hank Williams songs and John Hartford songs. Right. Okay. You know, like yeah, like uh, I, I didn't know what they were. You know, I was a little boy, but uh, I knew the words to them, like "Hey, good looking" mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of always had it as a as a uh, as a sort of like a, a a thing in the back. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of a yeah. a thing that was there. Actually, I remember one uh, in, in particular. I remember one uh, guitar lesson in college. Uh, I, I studied. In, in school with a with a man named Joe Negri, um, who is a uh, like a, a, a Pittsburgh renowned, even beyond Pittsburgh renowned jazz guitar player. Okay. Um, he was uh, he was the handyman on Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Well, you know, it's funny when you said that. I thought, well, that name sounds familiar. So <laughs> that's yeah, cool. Yeah, he, yeah. He was a he was a cast member of Mister Rogers. Yeah, Neighborhood. right. Sure. And uh, and uh, just a phenomenal guitar player. He's still around. He's like ninety one, ninety two wow. years old. Still playing shows every week. You know, he's a he was a truly wonderful, wonderful human being. But I remember uh, in one lesson, he, he, he looked at me and he said, you know, you should go to Nashville and you should become a flat picker. Hmm. You know? And uh, I, I confess that I was like almost appalled by it at the time because I was studying Miles Davis. Right, know? yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, I asked him why. And he said, well, because your swing is never going to be the right way he said you just sound like you grew up on a farm you know which like huh. i grew up across, i grew up across the street from a farm yeah. not on the farm but i, I did you know yeah and uh i just i, I thought it was funny that he, when when uh when, when when the band started touring and playing you know and i i started studying guys like you know david greer and tony rice and brian sutton and all those cats uh really like that that one comment from joe like came back to me i'm mm-hmm. like it's so funny that you know after 20 years later I'm actually doing what he told me I could do. Yeah, that's neat. You know, so do you, do you, yeah, do you, do you, sorry, you still have any? You still have any connection to him? Um, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually seen him uh, 
since I finished college, which was okay. in 1999. Okay. But uh, I, we actually had, for a while, we had a, 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 a substitute bass player in the band. Uh, his name was Dave Pella. And uh, Dave was like a, 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 the head of the, the, the jazz department at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And he, he was Joe's bass player for okay. a long time. Uh-huh. So, like, that's about as close as I've gotten, right. you know, um, yeah. playing with him. And that was really neat, because Dave was just an amazing bass player, and I used to go watch him play when I was in college, you know, and then, like, uh, years later, I ended up with him in the band for a couple of months. Hmm. That's neat. So, you, you've kind of, uh, music's kind of been your source of income as well for most of your life, it sounds like. For the most part, you know, like a, like a lot of... Uh, you know, musicians. Uh, I've always worked other things. You know, right. um, like I've had I've had uh, like factory jobs and construction jobs. Okay. I did concrete work for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always done whatever I had to do. You know, um, but for the last few years, I've been pretty lucky that the band's been able to sustain me. So the band exclusively. So you don't have other music type things on the side that you do in in conjunction with. Um, there's a there are a couple of. Uh, small recording studios near where I live um, that record, like, it's funny, they, they, they mainly record a lot of hip-hop or Christian music, you know? Hmm. Um, and uh, and I've, yeah, it's, it couldn't be more polar opposite, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, from time to time, you know, maybe 10, 15 times a year, I do sessions for them. Yeah, okay. You know? Okay. So, like, on the hip-hop stuff, I play, I, like, I kind of do more of a jazz R&B type thing, and then... On the, on the Christian songs, I just take an acoustic and I play bluegrass style yeah. stuff on it. Okay, you know, uh, yeah, under uh, under a, a different name. Yeah, I never get credited as me. It's always I have a, an alter ego. For yeah, the studio stuff. okay, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> um, yeah. in in your uh, press material, it it, it uh, refers to um, it says their own brand of high energy Appalachian bluegrass, um, and, and if. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland. For you, what's why is that different than Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Blue Ridge style bluegrass? Is there a distinction? Am I splitting hairs, or I, I I see that sometimes in different different groups, and and I just wonder if 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 for you when you perform, is there some sort of difference? Um. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, sure. I'm sure there is. Um. Most of the the hardcore traditionalist bluegrassers, you know, make it a point to tell me that we shouldn't call ourselves a bluegrass. Band, okay, you know, um, and I, I I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we we're kind of a the, the blend of people in the band um, lends to like not necessarily doing the music properly. You know. Um, mm-hmm. In, in that sense, it's it's more of a. Uh, I mean, we have an we have a an old time fiddle player. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Libby Eddy is our fiddle player, uh, and uh, she and I are also the lead vocalists. And uh, she's an old timer, like to the core. You know, she mm-hmm. plays old time fiddle. Right. Um, and so so that that's a different feel than you know like a, a straight up bluegrass fiddler would, would would be. You know. Um, and then you have me coming from all the background that I came from, and then right. kind of like adapting adapting. It. A, a flat picking style that uh, that that works, but it's you know it's not the same as as you would you would expect from a uh, like a well known flat picker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not uh, it's, it's like I uh, someone told me once that I that uh, they can they, what they said about my guitar playing was that it it sounded like Tony Rice and uh, Charlie Christian, who was a big band player, 
is like if they had a baby, it would sound like okay. <laughs> That's cool. You know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, and then with upright bass, we have a dobro player. You know, um, mm-hmm. and uh, mandolin, and our mandolin player also plays. He's a he's a straight up bluegrass fiddler. Right. You know. Yeah. So when you throw that all together, you get you get something that sounds like something, but doesn't sound anything like it. Sure. At the same yeah. Time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, which is actually, to tell you the truth, it's the way I would like for it to be. Right. You know, I, 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 I mean, I, I love, I love traditional bluegrass. You know, like Bill Monroe, Flat Scruggs, all right. that stuff. I love all that stuff. But I, I don't really think it would be within me to recreate that. Mm-hmm. You know, because, mm-hmm. um, because I, I mean, mainly because of what you said earlier. Like, I, I did not grow up with that as a major influence on. You know, so I, I couldn't like. Uh, erase the other influences that i've had for that it just doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah well when sense. i when i listen to some of your music um I mean, certainly i wouldn't argue that it's not bluegrass I, I i definitely uh appreciate the kind of the distinction uh it certainly has all of the the elements of bluegrass but i think you're right too it's it's um it has its own identity which which as an artist i'm sure is is what you're striving for because that way you don't you you, you don't really sound like anybody but yourself and so everybody uh, the fans can identify with your music and and hear a couple chords and realize hey you know that's the stragglers and uh, without having to kind of draw um comparisons to other other groups for sure you know it's uh it's it, it actually it's a I mean, the best way I guess I could describe it is that it, it, it wasn't a thing that we that we or I tried to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, the, the, we, we've gone through some lineup changes in our time, you know, um, uh, mostly because of availability. You know, we play a lot of shows, and you know, people sometimes people say, "Oh, I want to go on the road and tour," you know, and then they do it for a year, and they're like, "Man, this is hard. I don't want to. I don't want to do this all the time." Right. You know? Right. Um, and which is completely understandable in every way. Sure, you know? yeah. So you know, we we've had a we have we've had two different banjo players and and uh, two different full time bass players. Um, and this year we are doing you know about half of the shows are are, are just straight up four piece uh, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, and bass. Okay. And then about and then the other half include the dobro player. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really, this lineup is a couple of years ago um if i would have written down my dream lineup of people to play with this would have been it yeah that's you know? cool um it's just all people that i'm friends with and and and, and people we, we we have a really nice chemistry we're all friends you know we get along really well and uh we don't really ever or i don't really ever uh like direct anybody on how to play you know i just mm-hmm. assume that mm-hmm. that everybody is uh like they're here for a reason and, and i like their playing so uh, it's kind of a do what you want and let's see how it works out. Sure, yeah. You know? um, yeah. And because of that, you know, like I, I like country music, like old school country music, you know, so so we do some of that, you know, and, and the Dobro player, uh, Jody Moser, he also plays uh, lap steel on it, you know. Okay, So That's neat. we do some things with that. It gives it kind of more of like, it almost it sounds like Hank, you know. It's, okay, it's yeah. Like, it's basically the same lineup that the same instrumentation that Hank Williams had. Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, like that kind of, sort of sets us apart from the straight ahead bluegrassers sure. as well you know and, right. and especially the old timers like the the, the the old time people seem to like think that's crazy yeah that we would do that you know? <laughs> yeah but that's uh neat it's, it's like uh i just i just i just like the music and i just want to play as much of it as i can yeah. you know and i i want to incorporate as many 
facets of it as I can into mm-hmm. our original material. You know, we 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 mostly play uh, most of our set is our own material. You know, we have this, this album coming out, Poison River, is our is our third full length release in inside of four years. Okay, so you know, there's there's, there's forty, you know, about thirty five, forty original songs to play. You know, um, which is which is a nice thing to have. Sure, you know, especially yeah. when people, especially when people like to point out to me that we aren't either of the things that we claim to be. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can just say, well, yeah, but this is what we are. Right, you know? sure, and, and you got uh, forty songs to prove it. <laughs> right, I mean, you know, I mean, we got forty songs that might prove it. You know, you never know. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the new CD, and that's that's due out uh, in, in about a month called uh, Poison River, and, and so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, it was a really neat project to get involved in. You know, um, we were uh, we put this new the, the current lineup that we're playing with. We've had it for about a year. You know, a little bit more than a year now. Is this this group's been together? And uh, you know, we were touring with and, and selling and playing the the first two records. And uh, like, I, I realized that like, I really really liked the sound of the older songs with this lineup. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so it became a thing. It's like, well, you know, we we released a live album last year. We didn't we didn't have a, a an actual studio release last year. The last studio release was in 2016. Oh, okay. So it was you know it was it was time to to do another one, and I really felt like I wanted to put something out that represented who we are now. Sure. You know? Um. So and and the the records before were all um the first two releases. Uh, first one was the Lane Changed. Second one's called White Lightning Road. Um. They were they were mostly songs I had written uh, with uh, some like traditional or semi traditional covers, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I wanted to do it differently this time because we have now like three songwriters in the band, you know. So one major departure from the the first two albums, the the sound of those to this one, is that uh, there are, there are people that wrote other there are other songwriters on it. Right. You know? Cool. Um, uh, Ray Bruckman, our mandolin player, has uh, two instrumentals on it. Um, Libby wrote a, 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 a really pretty fiddle waltz that's on there called Hester's Waltz. And there's a song that she and I wrote together. Uh, and then, uh, you know, four, I think four, four tunes that I wrote. Um, there is uh, one song written by a, a, a late uh, Pittsburgh fiddle player, great fiddle player named Sue Cunningham. Um, one, one song that she wrote uh, called St. Anne's Prayer. And uh, we did one cover of a song by a now defunct band that was called uh, Sweet Sunny South. They were out of Colorado. Hmm. Hmm. Um, our bass player had this album, you know, and he was at my house and he was like, man, check this record out, you know, and, and hmm. uh, he said, these guys aren't around anymore, but they were, uh, they were a really cool band. They hmm. actually, uh, I, I thought they were kind of similar to us in a way. They hmm. had, they had all the elements of traditional stuff, but they weren't doing it, you know, hmm. that, quite that way. Uh, so we, we covered one of their songs on it, you know, um, and, uh, I mean, that's kind of it, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to get together and, and kind of piece the songs together. Oh, sure. there's a, the first single, the first single off the album that's, that's out right now is a song called, uh, When the Red Bug Blooms. And, uh, it was a really, really, really neat story, the way that song came to us. Uh, it was about a month and a half ago, we played this, this random, uh, gig in West Virginia, in Tyler County, West Virginia, and it was for, for the Countywide, uh, Farm Bureau Association mm. Convention. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was maybe four days before we were going to go down to national media to do the the last session, and we had we needed two songs and we had one. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, uh, an older gentleman, I mean, in his seventies, you know, uh, 
walked up to us and introduced himself as uh, his name was Ron Fletcher. And uh, he said, you know, I wrote a bluegrass song one time, and I, like, I never could get a band to record it. And it would be one of my dying wishes would just 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 have someone record this song. Wow, you know? that's cool. And uh, yeah, and we looked at him, and I said, well, sing it for me, you know. And uh, he sang it. It was it was a waltz. The way he'd written it, it was it was a waltz, uh-huh. you know. Um, so I asked him to he to, I gave him Libby's phone number, and he called Libby and sang it into her voicemail, so we would we would have it. Yeah. You know? And uh, like uh, we actually put the recording of him singing it on the album as well. Really? You know? uh-huh. um, that's cool. Yeah, it was, there was something about it that was just really, like, really, really cool and sweet, you know. And, yeah. And, and uh, uh, we called him up, and I said, you know, hey, um, if you don't mind, I'd love to, I'd love to work your song up. But uh, what we need is kind of a faster, hard-driving bluegrass tune. You don't need another waltz, because there were already two on the record, you know. So, uh, he gave me permission. We 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 reworked it, you know. Um, and uh, the first time the full lineup played it together was at the studio. You know, mm. we just kind of went in and, and kind of just said, "Well, let's see how it works out." You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it did. It, was, it came out to be a, a really nice tune. You know, so uh, that was really special to me. You know, I called him up and said, "Hey, we recorded your song and we sent you a copy of it." You know, and yeah, and uh, thank you so much. You know, it was. Uh, it was appropriate, you know. Uh, the, the red buds were blooming. Right, you know, yeah. spring was coming. It, it was. It, it felt like something we should do, and yeah. and uh, I was really happy to do it for him. Wow, that's awesome. You know, yeah, that's so cool. It, it was really special. It was. It was kind of. Uh, it, to me, it said, you know, we worked really hard on something, and, and sure. we we're still coming up short, but we'd been working, and then the universe kind of handed us that. Yeah, and what other industry musically can you be in where something like that could happen for some some uh, a fan like that, you know? You just you can't do that in a pop world, you can't do that in a commercial country world, you know. You probably can't do that in the jazz world. So it's it's kind of No, cool. you absolutely probably can't. Yeah, you probably can't do it at all, you know. Yeah. It's just kind of like, you know, uh he was the sweetest guy, just this really nice guy, you know, and uh on the recording it's it's, it's like on the, the single release his version of it isn't on there, you know. Mm. Um but it's uh, on the album. It's the last song on the record. And okay. The song finishes, and then it fades into him singing it. Yeah, he sing, he sings the whole song, and at the end of it, he says, he says, uh, "Well, I hope that worked out for you. I'll yeah. catch you later." And he hangs up. You know, <laughs> that's and, cool. and, and that that's kind of how the record ends. Yeah, I think it's that's just cool. really neat. That's neat. You know? Yeah. So where where can folks uh, get in touch with you guys? Where can they get the CD when it releases next month? What's the best way to to reach out? Well, um, it's uh, jacobsferry.com, www.jacobsferry.com, and you have to spell Jacobs with a K. You know, we spell Jacobs with a K um, instead of a C. Um, and it's, it's actually available for, for uh, like a pre-order right now. Good, you know? okay. Um, uh, lots of bands do, you know, uh, online fundraising and stuff to fund their records. And uh, we, we did that for the last record, and it was, it was really fantastic. We got, we got our goal in like a day and a half. Wow, you know, it took awesome. like a day and a half. We, yeah. had, we had like six grand in a day and a half. Yeah. But I found, I found the whole process to be really stressful. Yeah. You know, it was just all this money showed up and then we had to deliver it and we actually delivered it a little bit late, you know? Okay. Uh, so I, I felt kind of bad about that. You know, right. This time around, I, I figured like, you know, I mean, making a record costs a little more money than people think it does. Sure it know? does, yeah. Um, if it does, you know. So I, uh, I just said, well, we're just going to pre-sale the record. You know, and that's how we're going to raise the money for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, so and it worked. You know, we we got about half of the of the total amount. You yeah. know, off of the presale. And yeah, it's, it's still available. If you order it now, 
um, as soon as I have the record in my hands, I'll mail it out. Okay. You know, so you get it you get it ahead of time, and I anticipate. Uh, I think it's probably going to go to print in about a week and a half. Okay, neat. You know, yeah, uh, yeah we're in the final stages of approving the artwork and and you know all that stuff, and and uh, I actually just got the the final master of it last night. Okay. You know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if you order it now, you probably have it about two weeks early. Okay. Good deal. Because you know, it's, it's slated it's slated to come out June fifteenth. Yeah. Yeah, neat. Well, we certainly wish you the best with it, and uh, uh, you know, thanks, Gary, for for sharing all that with us and uh, getting a chance to to learn a little more about yourself and and the band and and some of the the neat things, uh, especially that last story with that song. Um, you know, I think uh, if nothing if if nothing else, folks ought to get it and listen to that because that sounds exciting and and it's neat to be a part of that. So, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.